Shalom, and welcome to this episode of It's All About the Aliyah. You know, I want to stop right here and thank you, the viewer, for your support of this program, and more importantly, your support of the Aliyah. If many of you have gone to our website and, uh, and become monthly partners, and if you haven't done that, you can go to EzraInternational.org and become a partner with God in the Aliyah. You know, today uh, on our program, I'm excited to have a guest who, who has been in Israel a long time. She made Aliyah and is considered now an expert in Israel uh, affairs. She is, uh, I've also been told that she is the most thorough of all Israeli guides. And I'm really excited to talk to her today. Her name is Jane Ben-Ari. Jane, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's very good. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking to our producer earlier about our love for Israel and how easy it is to, to talk about things that we love. So um, I'm just uh, excited to be able to have you on today. And um, I'd like for you, first of all, to share with our viewers who you are, what you do, a little bit about uh, your story in Israel today. And then maybe uh, later on, we'll talk more about your Aliyah story. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, will. so as you heard, my name is uh, Jane Benary. I've been in Israel now 52 years. Mm. I came here basically because that was my dream from the age of 10. We can talk about that perhaps a little bit uh, later on. Um, I knew at that point that that's what I wanted to do. And the moment I finished high school, uh, within a few days, I was on the plane and I was in Israel. Um, the primary thing was, of course, to study at the university. So I studied at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. And then my mother joined me uh, in Israel. My father passed away when I was 15. And so um, only daughter, she decided that, you know, I really should have a home here. So she decided that she was coming. My parents were super uh, supporters of Israel, always had been. And so she came and uh, she'd been a guide in England and... Uh, I kind of was studying at university. I needed uh, to kind of get my mother involved in something. And so I suggested she do the guides course here. Mm. And uh, her big problem was she didn't speak a word of Hebrew. She knew she wasn't going to get accepted on the guides course. Her only fortunate thing was that she guided the most important guide in, uh, from Israel in England. And so he'd sort of recommended her. So I knew she'd get on. So anyway, we both did the entry exams. And uh, she did get accepted. And so there I was last year of university and helping my mother to be a guide. I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would be a guide. You know, that was the crazy part of the whole story. But uh, within a very short time, I really decided I enjoyed it. And so that's what I've done really ever since, since I've it's been here. It's amazing how life takes those turns. But I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you... Uh, new at age 10. That is so rare. Um, what ignited this, this uh, you know, desire to, to, and, and to know that early in life? Um, well, I came from basically an Orthodox uh, Jewish family. My grandfather was the chief rabbi of Chester. And my great-grandfather is perhaps one of the most famous rabbis buried on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. He came as a a sort of a disciple, if that's the right word for it, of the famous Rav Kook, the first chief rabbi of Israel. They were together in England. He asked him to come. And so there was sort of a bit of a family roots here. But um, my father was a, an incredible supporter of Israel. 
Uh, he'd served in the British Army during the Second World War in uh, India. Mm. He'd been responsible for all the American and English bases, everything that they needed. And after the war, he was left there to kind of clear them out, etc. And uh, we also lived next to Winston Churchill in the same road in England. And under cover of everything, he was kind of asked by Aubrey Eban, who became Abba Evan at the time before Israel became a state, to help purchase weapons for Israel. It was all undercover and so on. There were meetings in my parents' home. And consequently, um, you know, they'd always supported Israel, uh, things that I never even knew about. And so when I was 10, my father said, that's it, we're going to visit Israel. Jerusalem was still a delight. Pardon? Oh, I said that is amazing. I mean, uh, it's no wonder with with uh, a lineage like that and and connections <laughs> that you you uh, were surrounded by uh, lovers of Israel and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, commentators that I I can read still today when I look at the Chumash and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so. Anyway, we arrived. I, I, Jerusalem was a divided city at the time. And my father's dream all his life was to see the Western Wall. Well, of course, you couldn't see the Western Wall because it was on the Jordanian side. So much against my mother's wishes, she stayed back in the hotel. My father decided we were going to the top of Mount Zion uh, to see if we climbed to the very top of the building there above the area of what is the upper room uh, to see if perhaps we could see over the wall. Hmm. So here we go down through the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, up through the staircase, there was one approachway. Uh, it was not the safest thing to be doing. I remember the Jordanians sitting behind the sandbags on the walls of the old city with their weapons trained as we kind of went to the top there. And I remember his disappointment when, uh, even though we could see the walls of the city from higher up, you know, you obviously couldn't see the Western Wall. And then uh, we traveled around Israel. We went, I remember, to Megiddo, which had sort of been excavated, not much. And the guide talked about the stables and Solomon's horses and all kinds of things like that. I mean, those are my recollections at the age of 10. And at that moment, I said, okay, I have to live there. That was it. (laughs) I I love that story. I mean, for those of us who who went to Israel and fell in love, and, you know, I've been there many times uh, but uh, obviously don't live there. But uh, similar experiences where you, you uh, connect with the, the, the history, the biblical significance, the, the connection to, to our God, um, and, and something happens there that uh, cannot happen and will not happen anywhere else in the world. Um, so I, I fully, I, I, I think I understand. Um, I, I, I wish in many ways that uh, I, I could have seen what you saw at that age. Um, you know, we've got, I've been to the land many times, but, um, and many of our, our viewers may have visited, but uh, have, have seen a, a much different Israel than what you experienced in the beginning. But, you know, we have to, we're, we're up against a break right here, Jane. Um, I'm okay. fascinated. I want to hear more. We're going to pause here for a quick commercial and we'll be right back. Okay. Do you want to know what everybody's talking about? Ezra International has their own TV network broadcasting 24 hours a day on Rumble. It's amazing. You can watch great programming dedicated to the return of the Jewish people after 2,000 years back to their homeland of Israel. The network just started, and new shows are being added, so check back often. 
You can see what's new by going to EzraInternational.org and click on the live stream button today. Okay, welcome back. We're talking to Jane Ben-Ari. Uh, she was telling us about her experiences in the early days of Israel. Uh, Jane, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by your story already. Um, you've seen things that many of us will, will never uh, be able to see or have memories of things that uh, uh, only we could read about in the history books. Um, your Aliyah story, uh, you know, you were living in England. Um, I've spoken to many uh, of my friends who were very hesitant when their, their family said they wanted to move to Israel, but it seems that your story is different. Tell me about that transition from going from, from England to, to Israel. Well, uh, up until the age of 18, I went to probably what is the most famous boarding school for girls in England. Um, and after my father passed away, I mean, I still had two years still at school. And unfortunately, he passed away four days before the beginning of the Six-Day War. And he never mm. knew that Jerusalem was a reunited city. Oh, and... Uh, I knew that. I mean, I, it was like those last two years of school. I just have to get to Israel. I have to do it for my father. I mean, we visited. I visited more times after that. I worked uh, during those summer months after my mother, uh, my father passed away. My mother and I came to Israel to visit again. Friends invited us. I'd been on a kibbutz, you know, and, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So literally the moment I left school, uh, six days later, I was on the plane uh, to come. Uh, to Israel. I just literally packed the suitcase. The rest of my family, my aunts, my uncles, what are you doing to your mother? How can you leave her, etc. I said, listen, I've, all my life, that's all I've heard, Israel, I have to do it. Uh, and so I arrived. Um, it was a challenge. I mean, I could read and write Hebrew. I could maybe get out a few words, but that was it. But at least I could read and write. So I found myself in Ulpan, which is like, you know, to learn Hebrew, but I was in an Ulpan that was like a preparatory one from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, that was the idea. I was going to come here to university and I refused to belong to the foreign students program where they do it in English. I said, no, if I'm going to live in Israel, I want to be with the Israeli students. You know, wow, the, good, for, good for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so here I was, but, but the first five months was to really try and learn the language. Well, because the intake at that time had been um, youngsters, um, more or less my age, but they all came from South America. I was the only English speaker. All of them spoke Spanish. So here I was learning Hebrew in Spanish, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> and I had to do some extra exams. They wanted different things in math than we'd done in, in England. So I had to do that in Spanish. It was it was really complicated. Wow. If uh, in a one-room that we sort of rented off an elderly lady in the center of Jerusalem, which, which I enjoyed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was difficult, put it that way, to actually learn, but I thought I was doing really well. I could sort of do street Hebrew by the end of five months. You know, I could get around, ask questions, fill in sort of papers. Everything was in Hebrew, which was a massive challenge to do, That's you know, right. to get everything done. No one really to help you uh, because everybody was speaking Spanish that was helping everyone, not English. Uh, um, but anyway, yes. I, I got to it uh, and I started the course at the Hebrew University. 
It's very impressive. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's quite a challenge just to learn the Hebrew, let alone learning it from, from a, another foreign language. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm very impressed. Uh, your determination saw you through. Um, so from that point on, um, after, after you graduated, uh, was was being a guide your your uh, first goal, or was there something else that you had in mind? Well, when I first arrived, I mean, my dream was to be a lawyer. That was a my lawyer. intention. Yeah, I, I wanted to be a lawyer, and and I, if I would have stayed in England at the universities that accepted me there, I I would have done law. I wanted to be a barrister, mm-hmm. but I realized very quickly when I got here that it would take much longer for my Hebrew to get to a state that you could be a lawyer. So the Dean of Overseas Students asked me, what do you want to do? So I said, I don't really know. So he said, well, you know, why don't you do education and so on? I said, okay, why not? You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I actually have a degree in education and a teaching certificate and uh, so on. I mean, the the guiding was just by chance. It was to help my my mother, basically. Mm -hmm. And more or less, as soon as I finished uh, university, I was already married and, and then two small children. And then we got sent to Fort Worth, Texas, where we spent three years as emissaries for the Jewish agency. Oh. Um, so, so, so the first, you know, sort of after finishing university and having the two small children here, I found myself in Fort Worth, which was a completely different Another, situation. another different world. Another, another different world altogether. We consider um, Texas a whole other country. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> it was quite, quite a challenge as well, you know, to be um, there in the, in the beginning. Certainly, I mean, had some great experiences. The Jewish community was wonderful. Mm-hmm. They really looked after us and, and so on. So that, that was a good part of it. Yes. And of course, my great passion for horses. So I was in the rodeo every weekend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, are, <laughs> so, you are a woman of many talents, aren't you? <laughs> that was great fun. Um, so, yes, it was really when I came back from Texas that, that I started really to guide, you know. Okay. Um, I, I, that, that was the sort of fun part of it. And because I'd been to a Church of England school in England, um, it was very easy for me to guide Christian pilgrims. Oh, yes. Oh, you were prepared. Study that, part. that part was for me, you know, part of what I'd done for 12 years of my life, apart from, you know, having a, all the Jewish side of the family, which was every day, mm-hmm. the, the gospel, scripture, church, all that kind of thing was something that was sort of second nature because, I mean, I, there were times when I was the only Jewish girl in the school. It wasn't easy. Uh, but uh, it's incredible. It's incredible how God, it's incredible how God prepares you for for things that you don't even know He's preparing you for, yeah. and uh, and in your connection with the Jewish Agency that fascinates me too because um, of course our work we are we partner with the Jewish Agency uh, every day. Uh, you know we're up against another break, Jane. Um, I'd love I want to after the break we talk some more about life in Israel today maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll take this break right now and we'll be right yeah. back. What if Abram didn't leave Ur of the Chaldees when God called him? What if Moses refused to go to the Pharaoh asking for Pharaoh to let his people go? What if Joshua had not led the children of Israel into the Promised Land? What if Cyrus did not issue his decree? 
What if Esther did not use her position with the king for such a time? What if Daniel did not pray in Daniel 9? What if Nehemiah did not rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? What if we don't respond to God's call to the Gentiles? You can be a part of God's prophecy being fulfilled today. Stand with Ezra International today before it's too late. All right, welcome back. Once again, we're talking with Jane Ben-Ari. She's been telling us her her adventures from childhood to today uh, in in the land of Israel. Jane, um, I'm fascinated by your your many talents and and, uh, um, your stories. And I know that uh, I I read that that you have been uh, uh, partaken in many jobs in Israel over the years because of the situations that have occurred. Um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, Israel today or, or the things that you've uh, done to get you to this point and uh, what you are doing today. So I'll, I'll leave that to, to you. Uh, well, at the, the present moment, I, to be honest, I'm not really doing that much because of the, you know, incoming tourist sit, uh, situation in Israel is basically non-existent mm-hmm. thanks to uh, the covid um, the rest of Israel, I would say, is more or less functioning normal, if, if that's such a word in, in today's it's world. Yeah, um, the different uh, things are open. Yes, I mean, it's as normal as, as they can be. The kids are back in school. Uh, everything is open, theaters, etc. Israelis can come and go through the airport. Mm-hmm. But of course, foreigners, anyone with a foreign passport can't unless they have a specific, you know, uh, business or something like that. So uh, that, that's part of the problem. So, and, and this for the first time, I haven't been able to find an alternative, um, you know, from what I used to do from all the other times when tourism was affected, whether it be by rockets from Gaza or from, you know, intifadas and from all the other situations that we found ourselves in, there was always something else somehow that you know could manage to do but this time plus the eight you know not that young anymore so nobody really wants you at this age put it that way very bluntly um and also because some of the disabilities i had a major um stroke seven years ago which has left me without the ability to read in hebrew believe it or not um or drive and things like that that's a whole nother story that's a whole miracle um unheard of miracle actually uh, so I'm really grateful you know that I'm able to do everything that I can do but um, th- there is no guiding and there's really no alternative and just yesterday evening there was a whole meeting of a few of us guides that have worked together and uh, we're more or less all in the same situation which is, is kind of sad for the country and sad for all the pilgrims that are waiting to come Yes, it is very sad. It's, um, I think it's very frustrating for, for um, everyone who wants to come, and I'm sure it's even more frustrating for you. I'm so sorry I didn't realize that uh, you had uh, you had this stroke, but you are doing remarkably well, and I'm glad to see that. Um, did, so, so is there any um, update that you can share with us, any hope that the country will open up to tourism very soon, or um, fluid? Uh, well, they announced now that they think that the booster of the Pfizer um, shot uh, seems to be 
you know, holding off the Omicron. Mm. And if that's the case, then they may go back to the sort of idea that they had. I mean, we've been open for about three weeks to tourism mm -hmm. as such. Um, you know, anybody that's vaccinated and all the different things that you have to go through, the testing and so on, then there have been a few groups. But yeah. I must say I was up in the north three weeks ago and I didn't see one wooden boat on the Sea of Galilee. And that was mm. just so sad. I mean, I saw two or three tour buses here and there, but that's about it. Yeah, that's it, that's tragic. And um, and I, I, I've, always, I've experienced um, those times where there's been intifada. And uh, we have, when I was um, leading tours uh, as a uh, um, uh, pastor many years ago, we would go anyway. We would get enough people to go and we would fill a bus and we would travel when no one else was traveling. And I've, I, I wish that was still the case where, you know, th that you have people had that opportunity. Um, many, I think, would. But when there's restrictions of this nature, it's so unprecedented. And I'm so sorry mm -hmm. that you're, you're having to live through that. Um, you, you apparently, uh, from what I understood, um, in, uh, in times past have, have done things like, uh, even driving an ambulance, uh, in, in yeah. times like this is, um, so you've always found a way in the past. Uh, it's, it's, this is an unprecedented situation. Mm -hmm. No, there's always been uh, something that, you know, you could find to do and, uh, in the last intifada, whenever it was, 2000, 2001, again, after 9-11 as well, it was sort of a double whammy that time. Um, uh, they, they gave the opportunity to sort of re-educate yourselves. I, I studied the gardening and I worked at the botanical gardens at the Hebrew University for a couple of years. And there was always some way around it or, you know, I qualified as an EMT and during the intifada, during the worst times when the buses were blowing up and stuff, you know, mm. it was on the ambulance, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, you can't really be on the ambulance if you can't write <laughs> the notes in Hebrew or drive it any longer. And so, uh, yeah. plus, you know, you get to, to my age, it's a whole different uh, Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And I, I, mm -hmm. again, I admire you for all of your, uh, your talents and, and abilities and the things that you have done to you know, it's the real Israeli spirit. And I don't think I, and I don't know how much our viewers understand of the challenges that you face day to day. So I'm glad that you've shared some of that. Um, I just saw this morning uh, on the news about the wall in Gaza being built. You know, there's that on ongoing challenge of rockets coming from Gaza and tunnels being dug from Gaza. This wall seems to be um, a, a very uh, a good preventative measure for against tunnels and from uh, just uh, individuals crossing into from Gaza into Israel. Uh, of course, that doesn't stop the rockets, and I'm sure that's another challenge that that Israel will have to continue to face. Thank God for the Iron Dome. Um, so, you know, maybe you could share a little bit about. Uh, the attitude of, of Israelis, knowing that these challenges continue to exist, that we wish they didn't, but they, they still do. Oh, gosh, I, I mean, you just sort of learn to live with them uh, mm. as tough as they can be. Um, I mean, at the moment, we've got a small spate of sort of single knife incidents going on in, in mm. Jerusalem that they're kind of worried about. But, but somehow we always seem to get through it. You know, it, it doesn't really dampen one's spirit. It, it, we hate it when it happens, but, but 
we've lived through so many times of all these different things, you know, happening and so on. And having had my own kids in the army and, and so on, you know, through some of the worst times, um, that's just part of life in Israel. Um, sadly, sadly. Yeah, sad, sadly. But, yeah. Uh, but, but I, I, when I see the news in other parts of the world, I still feel safer here than I would perhaps um, even Amen. maybe in the United States. States, although that sounds probably terrible to say that. No, uh, it's not. It's not terrible. I say, <laughs> I say, amen. Um, I know from my visits and I've been there with my family. Uh, my wife and I have walked down the streets of Jerusalem at one, two o'clock in the morning and felt perfectly safe where we would not do that in many American cities here. Um, you know, we, we would not uh, feel safe doing that. So I totally understand that. And I think that's something that uh, I, I hope our audience understands that when, when travel does continue or resume, I should say, um, that Israel is very safe and you are an incredible ambassador uh, to it for Israel. And I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk more about that um, because uh, you know, there are many stereotypes, many uh, misconceptions about living in Israel or even visiting Israel. And uh, uh, one of the reasons I like to do this program and have Israeli guests is to dispel some of those stereotypes and misconceptions. Um, so in the, in the minute or two that we have left, is there anything else that you would like to share with our, our audience about life in Israel today or anything at all? Well, I mean, I just, as soon as, as uh, they take off the restrictions again, it would just be wonderful to have people come back to the country. It's always um, for, for, for local Israelis to see tourism, and to see people coming and to, you know, experience other people. I mean, we all really miss it here. And when you see, you know, the souvenir shops and you see the old city and everything's closed up, it, it's such a sad part of the situation. And all I can say is just please, if you can come to Israel, you'll be perfectly safe. And uh, we just would love you to come back Amen. as soon as it's possible. Amen. Amen. That's a great place to end it here. Jane, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. I trust our audience uh, has also. Um, you, you have an incredible spirit. And uh, I, I, my prayer is that it, you know, tourism will return and you will, you will find your place back where it belongs, uh, in teaching uh, people from all over the world what an incredible place Israel is. So. Thank you. I'm sure it will. All right. Bye. Thank you, Jane. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Shalom. Shalom, shalom. All right, that's all the time we have today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and uh, come back and, and visit us again. We'll continue to bring you guests from, from Israel and from, from all over the world regarding the Aliyah. God bless you. Shalom. Do you want to know what everybody's talking about? Ezra International has their own TV network broadcasting 24 hours a day on Rumble. It's amazing. You can watch great programming dedicated to the return of the Jewish people after 2,000 years back to their homeland of Israel. The network just started and new shows are being added, so check back often. You can see what's new by going to EzraInternational.org and click on the live stream button today.